Broadcasting live from the RNR studios in Las Vegas, Nevada. It's the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Presented by Tequila Embajador. We're talking free agency. We're talking the draft. We're talking Raiders. We're talking quarterbacks. We're talking about quarterback proposals. Um, we're talking about everything Raiders related, obviously, but with uh, just a few days before the scouting combine in Indianapolis, and that's where Josh uh, McDaniels and Dave Ziegler and their respective uh, st- support staffs are going to get a better handle on what this draft might yield and getting some knowledge on that, firsthand knowledge on that will better help what they do uh, in free agency, which obviously comes first before the draft. And to shed some light on all of that uh, is a good friend of ours, um, Greg Bedard, uh, for the Boston Sports Network. Um, always sheds great light and enlightenment, especially on the Patriots and their way of doing things. And now that the Raiders have sort of built a uh, New England West, uh, it's always great to talk to Greg. Greg, how you doing, my friend? Good. What's up, Vinny? I'm doing good, and uh, more and more as we inch closer to the opening of free agency, which uh, is next month. It's right upon us almost. Um, I'm looking at the Patriots. I'm looking at the Patriot connections uh, here with the Raiders, with Dave Ziegler, the new general manager, obviously Josh McDaniels, and it goes deeper than that. There's assistant coaches uh, that they've brought over here from the Patriots, so there's a lot of familiarity with some players that are about to hit free agency, potentially, uh, in New England that a lot of Raider fans are curious, are the Raiders going to delve into any of those players? And I wanted to talk to you about that because you obviously have intimate knowledge uh, on on some of these guys. Can you see Josh McDaniels uh, and Dave filling some holes with some players that they have firsthand knowledge about and working experience with? Sure. I think that they they would probably look first there, um, guys that they have comfort in, guys that they know run their type of program. We've seen um, Patriots assistants over the years, you know, whether it's Brian Flores in Miami, Joe Judge in, uh, in New York, Matt Patricia in Detroit, uh, the guys in Houston, they all seem to start by plucking at least a couple of uh, players that that knew how to run their program could sort of be leaders in the locker room, show guys uh, the way to do it. Uh, you know, a lot would depend on exactly what the the Raiders will need. Uh, you know, once you know Dave and Josh sort of go through the roster and decide where the weak spots are. But uh, absolutely, there's a track record of Patriots people. Once they get someplace, they like to bring in at least a couple of their former players to sort of set the tone in the locker room. So, yeah, I would I would look for them to do it. Uh, it'll be interesting to hear where you think they might be looking and whether that matches up with uh, the Patriots roster. Well, I'm glad you asked that, uh, Greg, because <laughs> one place that I'm absolutely looking at, especially as it relates to the Patri- Patriots, uh, is at cornerback. And, you know, the Raiders got great value uh, out of Casey Hayward last year, but he played in Gus Bradley's mm-hmm. system. In fact, he followed Gus uh, here to Las Vegas uh, from the Chargers. So Gus leaving and Casey kind of playing a specific uh, way in a specific scheme, the chances of him following Gus Bradley to Indianapolis seem to be uh, pretty good. So I'm looking at, and I know a lot of Raider fans are looking at, J.C. Jackson, uh, who, by the way, came out today. I don't know if he said it today, 
um, or if people caught up to it today, but it was out on social media, uh, and Jackson was kind of talking about the lack of love, for lack of a better word, that the Patriots have shown him uh, in terms of a new contract. It kind of implies that he might be headed to free agency. So that's where I'm going to start with J.C. Jackson and his fit potentially in Las Vegas uh, in this new scheme with Patrick Graham as the new defensive coordinator. Yeah, he has certainly been a popular topic um, for a while around here. Uh, just in the past couple of days, I've written two columns on uh, you know him and the franchise tag and the Patriots options and what are they going to do and you know what exactly is his market going to be. Um, you know, I think in terms of Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels, um, I think and how it relates to to J.C. Jackson. I think you need to start with something that we really don't know. Um, you know, as you know, Vinny, uh, you know, teams often start with when it comes to free agency, especially guys that are on their roster, came up through their program, they start with, all right, well, how is money going to affect this guy? Because, you know, and it's, and it's somewhat related to J.C. Jackson because he's a guy who started at the University of Florida had some off-field issues there, basically was kicked out of Florida, went to community college, went to Maryland, kept his nose clean there, but because of his off-field concerns, he went from, say, a third or fourth round pick to undrafted uh, when he was selected. And so that's sort of the backdrop with J.C. Jackson. And, you know, it's one thing for a young player to toe the line, uh, you know, for his first four years in a league and not get into trouble because, you know, he, he sees the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. I need to make sure I do everything right and work really hard and buy in and all that stuff or else I'm not going to get paid like I want to get paid in my first contract. So that's sort of where J.C. Jackson is. As far as I know, he was no trouble with the Patriots. Um, he was a very good player here, brought himself up from being an undrafted guy. Uh, I do think that there were some issues with his play towards the end of last season in terms of, uh, specifically the, the Bills playoff game was the first time that I looked at his film and I was like, I don't know if he wants to be here. I don't know if he wants to be out there, and I think he's making some business decisions. So how do they view that? How do McDaniels and Ziegler view J.C. Jackson in terms of can we trust him if we give him $40 million guaranteed? I, I don't know the answers to that. So uh, whether they're interested or not will tell us whether uh, you know how they're going to answer those questions. But to me, there's no question that J.C. Jackson is a, is a good player. He's a good starter. Um, he, he bet on himself this year, so that means to me that he wants to get paid top of the market. Uh, we know that Jalen Ramsey is a $20 million a year, a deal that was signed two years ago, um, waiting for somebody to sort of trump that. J.C. Jackson, by all accounts, is the top cornerback on the market. But I talked to a, um, an NFL executive yesterday for a team that's looking for cornerback. He said they are not interested in Jackson. They don't think he's a top five type of guy. And so it's going to be interesting to see what the Patriots do with him. They could tag him and either trade him or just keep their options open. But I'm not sure Bill Belichick wants to go to uh, $17.3 million a year with J.C. Jackson. So it's it's an interesting situation with him. Yeah, and if he wouldn't be willing to do that, would two of his protégés uh, be willing to do that? So yeah. that becomes the big question. We're talking to Greg Bedard. You could follow him at Greg A. Bedard. Uh, he is the founder and editorial director of the Boston Sports Journal.com. Uh, he does a tremendous job covering sports in general, but definitely um, has things covered in Boston and specifically with the Patriots, and that's who we're talking about. 
I get this question a lot, Greg. Um, you know, obviously everything that went down with the Raiders last year with Henry Ruggs losing that weapon, uh, losing a blossoming player that was uh, becoming exactly what the Raiders wanted and needed uh, from that position, that just has vanished. It's no longer here, no longer available. How do they replace that? I look at the track record of the New England Patriots, and yes, there's some intriguing names out there on the free agent market as it relates to wide receivers, but the money that it's probably going to cost to get access to those top three, top four options, it doesn't seem like there's a history of the Patriots necessarily doing that over the year. Correct me if I'm wrong, though. Um, do you see the Patriots, Josh, or do you see the Raiders, Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler, dabbling in that world at the top market of the wide receiver position? I think they could. I'm not exactly familiar with what the Raiders have on the outside, but you know, looking at the way – um, McDaniels likes to run his offense. Um, look, two of the big pieces of the puzzle are already in place there in Oakland with, you know, Waller, tight end, um, who's tremendous, and Hunter Renfro is the, you know, slot receiver. And so, you know, the way that, that McDaniels likes to run his offense, I mean, all the, all the receiver positions and even the tight end positions are interchangeable as far as, you know, how they're labeled and they function in the offense. But, you know, you are looking for some sort of speed element to be the ex-boundary guy uh, to sort of run the deeper routes. That's why they signed Nelson Aguilar uh, in the offseason. Uh, that didn't work great, but I don't think that was on, you know, Nelson. I thought that was more of rookie quarterback who they're slowly bringing along. They had protection problems early in the year. Um, you know, so, you know, they'll they'll probably be looking for that. They They would definitely like... Um, a Kendrick Bourne type um, who started to to sort of blossom with the Patriots once they signed him towards the end of the year. Sort of a gadget, uh, you know, can sort of go inside, outside, run reverses, things like that. Uh, so they'll be looking for those, you know, pieces of a puzzle. I don't, you know, I don't know, you know, how they feel about, you know, Zay Jones and Deshaun Jackson who are free agents. The Patriots have never really had much interest in Deshaun Jackson. Um, you know, probably because of off-field issues. Uh, but in terms of receivers, they don't usually go top of the market, but they, they'll, they'll study the film very intently to find guys who are sort of on a step below, like an Aguilar. Like, they could have they – had, they had more money than anybody in cap space last year, basically, so they could have signed any receiver they wanted to. Sure. But they went straight after Nelson Aguilar as soon as free agency started. They wanted Kendrick Bourne as like a mid-level guy. They went after Johnny Smith at tight end. You know, so, you know, not exactly hugely popular names. So they will look for their type of guys who they think they get the most bang from the buck from. I want to ask you about a couple of guys, assistant coaches that uh, Josh brought in on the offensive side of the ball that are taking, you know, big step forwards in their career. Uh, Mick Lombardi, the new offensive coordinator, we know that Josh McDaniels, this is his offensive ship. He's going to call the offensive plays. That's established. Um, but if you could tell us a little bit about him, and in particular, a little bit about Carmen Brasillo. I, I'm so fascinated about the new offensive line coach and what direction he takes this in. I think it's been not a mess necessarily with the Raiders' offensive line the last few years, but it just hasn't turned into what the Raiders had hoped or needed um, under Tom Cable. Uh, here comes Carmen Brasillo, uh, a guy that's been around a little while, uh, but mostly on the college level. What can Raider Nation expect from both Mick Lombardi and Carmen? 
you know, during, you know, you're being kind, Vinny, as usual. You know, they were kind of a mess there the past couple of years. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, you know, I'll start with Mick. Um, I think a lot of Mick. Uh, he was he was viewed as an up and comer here. Uh, you know, I think he made the choice to go with Josh because Bill does everything pretty much by the book where it's like, you know, whoever has tenure is the next to get promoted. So, you know, Nick Cayley, the tight ends coach, was ahead of Lombardi. So, you know, it's it's believed that he's going to get, you know, elevated either the quarterbacks or have something to do, um, you know, with whatever they end up doing at offensive coordinator this year, but it looks like Kaylee's going to get more responsibility. Lombardi was probably going to be behind him. Um, so, you know, he, you know, Mick's very smart. He's known as a good coach. He, he's, he's on top of everything. Um, you know, people around here, you know, really thought a lot of Mick and he was certainly, you know, in the mix to, if they promoted from within after McDaniels left to be offensive coordinator, if they went with one of the young guys, it was between Kaylee and Lombardi, and, um, you know, I thought it was smart and probably a good mood on Nick's part to go with Josh because he probably wasn't going to get much of an opportunity here for a couple of years. Uh, Conversillo, um, you know, it's interesting. Um, he, you know, his tenure here with the Patriots has been strange, um, you know, not really his own doing. So, you know, Dante Scarnecchio was the longtime offensive line coach here, came back out of retirement. Uh, retired again. Carm was his assistant for one year, uh, I think. Uh, and Cole Popovich was around. And then to succeed Scar, uh, they basically made Brasillo and Popovich co-offensive line coaches. Then fast forward to the COVID year, and Cole Popovich, for whatever reason, decided not to get the vaccine. Uh, he was basically gone. I don't know if he was fired or they just parted ways. That's what it sounded like. Right. And so Brasillo was basically left on his own. Billy Yates was an assistant coach, assistant line coach, a uh, former really good player with the Patriots. Um, so Carm was left on his own last year, really, for the first time. And, you know, I will say, I, you know, the results have been mixed. Um, you know, Isaiah Wynn is a first-round offensive line left tackle who's never really developed. Um, he's just an okay player. Uh, you know, Michael Wenu was a young offensive lineman here who, as a rookie, looked like he was a future all-pro guard, and they moved him. They gave him the starting position after Tooney signed with the Chiefs, and it was not as good, and they ended up replacing, you know, Ted Karras, uh, you know, got the, got the start. And Wenu went to the bench. Uh, Trent Brown is Trent Brown. You know his history. It wasn't much different here. Hurt for half the year, um, and then down the stretch, it looked like he didn't really care very much. Um, so, you know, the offensive line has been good here. It was good under Brasillo. I would just say I would put him in the into the uh, he's in the unproven category for me because you know there were a lot of different circumstances going on. Last question: uh, I've read a lot about Mick Lombardi having a uh, a big say in the red zone offense for uh, the Patriots, the game planning, um, all of that. The, the the Patriots were really good in that area of the field last year. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. The Raiders were terrible uh, on that in, in that part of the field, and it cost them dearly. It probably cost them a couple of wins, if we're being honest. Um, 
is that overplayed in terms of what Mick Lombardi's role was uh, in that part of the field for the Patriots, uh, or could the Raiders expect uh, some genuine, you know, creativity uh, and and improvement uh, in the red zone with Mick Lombardi as a part of it now? Uh, it was probably a little overblown, um, you know. So the way the Patriots do things, and I learned this firsthand uh, when I was a Sports Illustrated. I did a story with the Texans behind the scenes of them, how they game planned offensively. Um, you know, when Billy O'Brien was there, which he does things the exact same way as the Patriots, and basically everybody on staff on either side of the ball has a different responsibility during the course of the week. You know, whether it's you know red zone offensive start, you know, starting plays, uh, you know, third downs, um, you know, maybe trick plays, stuff like that. Everybody has a different responsibility. And so, uh, you know, those guys will work like Nick with, you know, red zone with the Patriots. He will study the opponent's red zone all week. He'll come up with play suggestions and things like that to put into the game plan. Uh, but really it's the offensive coordinator um, you know, slash McDaniels, who's who basically takes that work and sort of molds it into the overall view of the game plan. I mean, so you, Lombardi definitely had influence, but I would say still, you know, the offensive coordinator plus the head coach, you know, Bill Belichick still has oversight and all that stuff. You know, when it comes to actually putting the game plan together, and it'll be, you know, every week they will have a different game plan for, for that week's opponent. Um, it, you know, it really comes down to, you know, the head coach and the offensive coordinator, exactly what goes in and how they're going to do things. Which in this case is Josh McDaniels and Mick Lombardi, uh, who yep. last year put that all together for the Patriots, obviously with Bill Belichick overseeing everything, but now here in Las Vegas. So really fascinating to see what that looks like for the Raiders and how much help uh, it could it can create um, for the Raiders and what has been a really difficult part of the field for them these last couple of years. So if they can improve that, uh, it'll go a long way. Greg Bedard, I could talk to you all day long about this stuff. I really appreciate you spending some time with us in the huddle. Always appreciate it. Take care of yourself, and uh, we'll definitely be checking back in with you down the road, my friend. Sounds good. See you in Indy? Yep, absolutely. I will be there. See you in Indianapolis. All right, see you then. All right, take care. Uh, that's Greg Bedard. Always does a great job. Um, he's the founder, editorial director over at bostonsportsjournal.com. I highly recommend you take a look at that, and you can follow him on Twitter at Greg A. Bedard. He's a tremendous follow. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador, Raider Nation Radio 920 AM on a Wednesday. Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Our thanks again to Greg Bedard and, of course, Bill Williamson. Love having those guys uh, on board. Talking football, talking Raiders football, the unique uh, analysis and insight both bring to the table, especially Greg uh, what an asset to have him right now um, as he keeps track of Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler and all the Patriot uh, cohorts that they brought with them to Las Vegas as they try to uh, remake the Raiders now. Um, not necessarily in the Patriots image, but certainly you're going to be a product 
of your uh, previous uh, environment and working uh, place, and uh, you would it stands to reason there's a reason why the Raiders went out and got uh, those two guys as a general manager and as the head coach. They want to try to create some of that success here in Las Vegas, and I think the time is right, especially for Josh McDaniels. Everything that he kind of went through and has learned and evolved from the situation in Denver, what happened in Indianapolis. I'm not look. It's it's on the resume. That's of course you have to account for both situations, um, but listening to him talk. Josh McDaniels, and sort of explain what happened and be open and honest about it. You know, there's if 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 he's learned from those situations, trust me, he's going to be better off for it. That's how people get better in life in general. They don't stand pat. They understand, hey, I need to work on this area or that area. Hey, this is why this failed. This is why this didn't work. What can I do better if I get another opportunity to make sure that doesn't happen again? And if you're honest with yourself and you listen, you're open to listening and you're motivated to get better, then you're going to get better. And I give Josh McDaniels a lot of credit because he would have, he, there were, as the years went on, there were opportunities to move on again as a head coach. We saw it with Indianapolis. What happened with the Colts? I don't know. You know, uh, as a reporter, and I learn this every day. Every single day. Uh, there's there's three sides usually to every story. And a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and what kind of happened, and then the truth comes out, right? Um, and I'm sure there were mistakes made on both sides, or maybe it was a, 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 a misunderstanding, or whatever the case was. But here's what I'll always say. The human race has the right, and each of us as individuals have this very unique right that we can exercise when the time is right. If something ain't feeling right, you have the right to pull, pull back and say, it's just not feeling right. I know there were commitments made and you know, all of that, but if you're not feeling it, then you're doing your dis- yourself a, dis- a disservice and you're certainly doing, you know, whatever you're walking into, that organization, that job force, uh, that business, whatever the case might be, if your heart's not truly into it, if there's misgivings at all, any, um, granted, all of us walking into a new venture. Okay, in let's life, not let him off the hook that easy. I'm, I'm not letting him off the hook. I, this this goes for everybody. You could take Josh McDaniels out. He, he, he messed up. It's okay. And there's no doubt about it. Like I said, it's on his resume. I'm not trying to let anybody off the hook. But if you have apprehension that turns into just misgivings that you're not going to be able to get over, you as a human being, and this holds true from today to the last breath you take, absolutely have the right to make a decision that's right for you. And you deal with the repercussions, DeMond's still mad at Josh McDaniels, that's It's not fine. mad. It's also you're getting millions of dollars to coach a football team. It's, uh, not, it's, not, it's not as – That's all um, relative. It, it's not all as monumental as you make it out to be. What do you mean they're, monumental? They're, they were offering you millions of dollars to that's, come coach that, that, that football but that's, team. That's relative. That's all relative. Every team was going to offer that same amount of money. Exactly. So, I mean, yeah, the right situation. Yes. But I feel like you're adding gravitas to the situation. No, where it's just, I'm just – it's just, it's just coaching football. He didn't – that's not – yeah, but if you don't – there's – 
anytime you're working, anytime you're moving into a new venture in life, it's not just, well, um, yeah, I'm just going to be writing and covering yes, the Raiders. It's, yeah, it's, but it's there's people career, that I work with. Serious. There's people that I work with. There's bosses. There's environment. There's information. There's th- there's a lot of different things, unless you just want to blindly walk into everything. Well, I'm just coaching that's football. The, that's what the interview process is for. I don't think they said, What hey, if Josh new information McG- comes out? I don't know, but there, what there was. What if, I said. Oh, what was the new information? I don't know, well, but he, what if? Well, he just, they're, they're, we're not talking about the what ifs. We're talking about him in the what, very we, specific Do you know situation. what happened? No, I do not. So something happened? No, I don't think anything happened. I, I think he disagree just, with that. I think he just looked at the roster and said, no, I don't think I'm going to be able to win here. No. I don't want it. I'm going to go the, back it to was the not, It was deeper than that. I know that for a fact. It was like, deeper than that. But I don't think that. he was misled. I don't think I'm not saying that he was. Changed. Okay, but you're putting it on the coach. Just I'm like, not it putting just it on anybody. It for him. I'm not. If, it ju- if he just didn't want to coach there, he didn't want to coach there. And I think it can be as simple as that. But, but I don't think there was just some, oh, the, the 11th I, hour, something changed. So he just said, this is not the job for me anymore. I think that that's exactly what happened. I don't. Yes, I think that he just decided, like, I don't think I can win here. But no, I don't think that no, no, something no, no. changed. I don't, I don't think that they deceived him. I don't think nobody deceived anything. There still could be misunderstandings. Or so what are the, we're going to offer you $5 million instead of $6 no, million? No, I don't think what? it had anything to do with money. So no, so no money issues. No, I think. The I same, think the, they didn't make any changes in the roster before he came in. The roster's immaterial. He knew what he was getting into from a roster perspective. So okay, already so, long so before. We have it was beyond that. So we have a list. And in this list that we are trying to formulate – what would be the deal breaker for you? The what if? What's the deal breaker for you? The roster isn't the roster immaterial, no. as you said. The money, it's all the same. Right. I don't. I, for me, I don't know. But there, there, there was something that was for him apprehension going in, and it, and it caused him enough apprehension to say, "I don't feel right about this." And maybe it was an something instinctual. Maybe there was some. Just sleepless nights thinking about it. It could have been all any of those things, but something. And, and I, it went above the roster. It wasn't about the roster, uh, and it wasn't about the money. He he could have gotten the same exact amount of money regardless. That that had nothing to okay, do with so it. Okay, so could it? So why can't it just be as simple as, ah, man, it's thank you for the opportunity, but I don't think that I'm going to be able to win here. So I'd rather not take the job. I think that Josh McDaniels has way too much confidence in himself that. It was the roster. He knew what the roster was all along during the interview process. When you interview for the job, they're asking you just as much about the roster as you're going to ask them about the roster. I don't think it had anything to do with that. Maybe he did get some information that um, you know the the quarterback Andrew Luck was going to retire abruptly, retire. Maybe that's what it was. But for, you know, there there is a story out there that kind of talks about some of the things that became an issue at. Uh, a later, you know, post him agreeing to take the job. But what I'm saying is, whatever that reason is, Damon, and it might be a bad look, there's no doubt about it, and he has to own it, and he has, and he has to, you know, uh, learn from it so that that doesn't happen again. But the fact is, we as human beings, and I fully believe this, have every right to make whatever decision we feel is right for us. Now, we're not all of us, unfortunately, are in the position to be able to just say, you know what, I'm going to thank you for the $25 million that you're going to pay me over these next four years, but I'm I'm just going to stay doing over here what I'm doing right now. Not everybody is in that position, but I don't know. Have you, You've never taken a job where you kind of walked in there and just having sort of a, a sinking feeling about it? Devon? Oh, no, I'm actually just doing some reading up on some reporting on the situation. Yeah. 
where it seems like football logistics and operations. Yeah, there were, were there were some there were some exactly that was what I I read that too. There were a couple of, a couple of uh, reports about that. Just some things that in the infrastructure of how things were were, were going to be done and who was going to be in charge of this. He had a way that he wanted to, and it might have been a miss communication in terms of what he was what his expectations were and what the Colts were going to do and it just gave him enough um of a apprehensive feeling that he said this isn't going to work and and again whatever the reason is and it's not to anybody's I'm not I'm not a finger pointer I'm not going to say you Colts you bad bad organization no or Josh you bad bad person it's, but like I said I just think it comes down to hey he didn't want the job oh, it, but it's not the monument I just feel like you were adding too much gravitas to the situation what's, to, I, I what, don't know how you're just, using the word gravitas right now he just didn't ha- it wasn't he wasn't feeling it something about that job at the last minute whatever the case was just gave him a, a – you, have you ever walked into a bad situation? Like you just feel like, man, this just isn't right. Like even after you – maybe you did make a commitment. You know, like uh, it's just – it doesn't feel right. But again, I stand firmly on this that as a human being, you have the right to change your mind because here's the thing. The worst thing you can do if you know in your heart that your heart's not in it you're wasting your time and you're wasting somebody else's time. And you're not going to be able to give 100% of yourself the way it needs to be given. And that's the difference at this level a lot of times between people that have success and people that don't have success. Let me tell you something. I remember Jerry West telling me one time, it was after the Lakers quit on Pat Riley. And they just started tuning him out. And what he told me was, it doesn't have to be a 100% quit. Nobody's 100% quitting. Nobody 100% quit. But at this level, if you have tuned out by a percentage point of a percentage point of a percentage point, you're going to get your you-know-what handed to you because the other guys are so good that they're if they're giving everything that they have, you being off or out of tune or tuning out, by percentage points, a percentage point of a percentage point, at that level, you're going to get your hat handed to you. So, again, at this level, if you're not going to be able to give 100% of yourself and you just feel an apprehension about it, you're wasting everybody's time. And I think that that's the conclusion that he came up with. It wasn't a good look? Absolutely not. But was it the right decision for him? That's for him and whoever his, you know, whatever it is that he believes in or whoever he be, uh, believes in uh, to answer. But I think we all have the allowance or should have the allowance to make that decision at whatever point uh, we have to make it. Back out to the Raider Nation listener line. Raider Mac is online. How you doing, Raider Mac? Hey, how you doing, Vinny? Hey, uh, let me ask you a question. Why are you making excuses for him? He, 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 and don't I heard you say everybody makes mistakes. If that was a black coach, I'm going to go there because if that was a black coach and he did that, he would have never got a job again in this. That's why Brian Flores is fighting because this guy, and it's not that he, it's not that he didn't, um, that he didn't, my thing is show up to the press conference, say I'm not taking a job, and then you leave. But you didn't even say anything to the Colts or anything. And, and, and that's fine, but if that was a black coach, he would have never got a job, and you know it. That he would have never got a job in this league again if he did something like that. And and you can say whatever you want and make excuses for him, but he, he and, and I think he did 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 what he needed to do. 
But you can't make excuse for that. He, he, he everybody makes mistakes, but own up to it like he did, and he did, and we we going past it. But if that wasn't a black coach, he wouldn't have never got the opportunity. Okay, uh, but you're asking you're. you're- bringing up two different points because are you saying that nobody deserves that second chance black or white or are you just saying that they wouldn't have got well a black coach wouldn't have got that okay do you do do you disagree do you disagree he did he did that because he knew he was gonna get another chance do you think he would have got that you think he would have did that if if he was working for somebody else no you don't he wouldn't have did that well i I can't i can't answer that i would hope that he would but here's my question to you was are you, you know, black or white? Do you feel like people don't deserve a second chance? Whatever. I know what you're saying, and that's a problem, and we need to overcome that without a doubt. And I fight every day. I'll fight every day uh, that battle every single day. I hear what you're saying. There is a double standard for some and a different playing field, and it's it drives me friggin' nuts. It drives me nuts that that's the case. But when I sit here and say that everybody has the right to make the decision that works best for them. I mean that for everybody. I don't care what you look like. I don't care what your sex is. I don't care what your religion is. I don't care what your ethnicity is, your um, where you were born, where you grew up. It doesn't matter to me. Everybody, as a human being, has the right to make the decision that is best for them. And if whatever, whoever you are, if you're walking into a situation and you're saying, man, this just doesn't feel right, it just doesn't feel right. You have the right to move on from that or just say, hey, I, I can't do this. I'm not going to be able to give 100% of myself. And then everyone all else has a ch- the right to, d- to judge that and decide, you know, are you ever going to get another chance? There was definitely risk involved in him doing that, but he was able to live with it. And I would hope moving forward. That everybody has that right, and nobody's that's not held against anybody, especially if they're qualified, uh, and, and we know that to be the case. So you bring up great points. I get it, and I understand it, and I wish that wasn't the case, that we even have to have that conversation, uh, but it's an important one. You're in the huddle with Vinny Monsignor, brought to you by Tequila and Bahadur, Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM on a Wednesday. Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. It's been a fun conversation, and we're definitely dialed up on free agency, Devon Cotton. I just keep going back to, you know, especially after talking to Greg Bedard about the why. I, I don't see them necessarily spending big money at wide receiver. But I feel like they, and I'm talking about Josh McDaniels and, and, and Ziegler, feel so good about what they do offensively in terms of the structure that if they can just protect it right, they'll be able to manufacture enough offense and enough points with Derek Carr as the quarterback, Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro, the running game with Josh Jacobs and Kenyon Drake, whoever they get uh, to replace basically Henry Ruggs uh, and get a little bit more out of Brian Edwards, use him a little bit better uh, than maybe um, he's been used in the past. It's really, (laughs) they'll be able to manufacture that. And it doesn't necessarily have to be with the top of the market in terms of the wide receivers. Would you be surprised, Damon, if they spent big dollars at wide receiver? 
what's big dollar? What's the what's the annual we think? That, well, what's big dollar? Forget the dollar amount. Let's just talk about the name. Uh, Chris Godwin, um, Allen Robinson, and Devontae Adams. That kind of money. The well, twenty well, nineteen. If it, it would if it would come to one of those names, I think Adams makes the most sense with the car connection because you don't want two guys coming off of injury and you're going, and you're pinning the the. Right, the high price tag on them. Right, because I think you would want the sure thing, and not someone like is God with situation that's going to be coming off of an ACL. Man, I'll injury. tell you what. Um, if Odell Beckham had stayed healthy, and I think he was earmarked to go back to the Rams at a at a nice rate, I wonder if Robert Woods would have been available in a trade because I think he would fit really well. He's kind of that. He's a he's a, he's a system guy, but he's better than just a system guy. And he brings so much to the table, especially with what I think Josh McDaniels likes to do with the blocking and asking your wide receivers to be multiple and smart. Um, but I think because now Odell is hurt, it changes the dynamic a little bit, and you're probably going to have to rely a little bit more on Robert Woods coming back from his injury um, you know, to, to, to hold that position down. But I just the more I think about it, the more in free agency with wide receiver – I think they're going to go with a guy that they feel can fit what their system is. It might not be the big sexy name. Maybe they go trade back for Nelson Aguilar. Would you Would you welcome uh, Nelson Aguilar back here? No, I don't think that New England would do it. Uh, not that he was just so valuable, but I do think that – I think he's making $15 million. Not that New England wouldn't do it, but I feel like it's – it's the term I can only use is it would be hustling backwards. For who? Nelson Aguilar. It would be hustling backwards for the I Raiders. Th- if the Raiders got – if the Raiders traded back for him – for to let him leave to say, ah, man, if you can go get your money somewhere else, hey, man, congratulations. Well, we're they prou- knew we're that, proud of yeah, you. But they had Henry at that point. They had the replacement. They had the guy that they were going to rely on. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's different now. They need somebody to do what he did, and he fit really well. And if you're Nelson Aguilar, I think you're also looking at, huh, Mac Jones, who is still a work in progress, and I think there's still some apprehension in New England about how good he really is with the arm strength and what they're able to do, what they can can expect from him. I think his numbers were down because of how they worked around Mac Jones offensively. Whereas with Derek Carr, there's no hesitancy with Derek Carr. They're going to let him eat because they know that he can deliver. And so I think all options are on the table for what they do with their quarterback, and I think that helps Nelson Aguilar increase his numbers. What were his numbers last year? His numbers last year was that 2021, he had 30, right. 37 catches, 473 yards, and three touchdowns. But here's the thing with his Raider season, that one lone season that people like bring back Nesson Aguilar. For me, I'm like, no, why would you? Because I think he's making about $15 million a year. Would... And you say the money doesn't matter. But in that season, he had 48 catches, a little bit, a little bit over 800 yards, and yes, eight touchdowns. But I feel like it's just like, hey, man, remember the good times? 48 catches? Those were the good times? Well, yes, yes and no. But they were still trying to involve other people. You know, Henry Ruggs was still on the field and still kind of technically the starter. He missed some games. There, I think if he would come here, back here, I should say, I think he would be the number one guy at that position. There's no more rugs out there. But uh, I don't think he's a number one guy to begin with. But I don't know if the Patriots, I don't know if this system truly needs that kind of a distinction. I think you can cobble it together with some players that you can rely on. With him 
Aguilar, with uh, with Aguilar, uh, with with um, Hunter Renfro, with Brian Edwards, and with Darren Waller, and and Darren and uh, Derek Carr kind of being that point guard. I don't think Brian Edwards has shown you anything in the past two years that says he's going to be a centerpiece of your offense. He's not. I'm not. I'm. I just. What was I? He was like the fourth guy I just named. So definitely not expecting him to be the, the, the. But he would be starting across from him on the opposite side, just like he did this year. Yeah, I don't think that a. Com- I know you can say that their system, what McDaniel's was able to do with the Patriots. I don't think opposing corners they're they're getting a good night's sleep if it's hey we got Nelson Aguilar, Brian Edwards. That's who we're landing. That's who we're lining up across. And Hunter Renfro. Hunter Renfro is going to be featured prominently, and Darren Waller, of course. So we'll- I said the corners. Well, let's just say the outside corners. You yeah. Jalen if Jalen Ramsey's like oh man. Because best corner in the game, I know that's a that's a huge caveat. Yeah, but if it's like, hey man, it's either you got Nelson Aguilar or Brian Edwards on the outside. Do you think he's just, oh man, it's gonna ah, need to put on? Well, my, even you know? if even if even if even if they're able to take that part out of the game, which, um, you know, I, I think I still think that Nelson's gonna get his gonna, gonna get his uh, in this system. But you still have Dar- like I'm talking, you know, the numbers are the numbers, but. It's all collectively in terms of the offense. How does it all fit so that this offense is operating at a high level? And so, and that's kind of where I'm getting. The numbers are going to be the numbers. And I, I wouldn't put a, hey, how many numbers would do you deem a good season for this guy or that guy or, that, or, or this guy? I want to look at how Their contract high, determines that. Well, he's already got his contract, though. And some guys, yes. But, I, but and, and that'll all sort itself out. But how highly efficient is this offense running with this guy here that guy there and Darren Waller and Josh Jacobs and a good offensive line I think you know even when 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 Aguilar was here along with Darren Waller along with Hunter Renfro they were scoring some points that year they were it was literally the year before last I know they were scoring 30 was it 30 29 30 points a game the problem was their defense gave up (laughs) gave up more the Raiders offense scored 30, 29.9 points a game, or it might have tagged off just a little bit toward the end, but they were putting points up on the board. They just couldn't stop anybody defensively that uh, two years ago. It was it was working well. The offense was working well. I Like I said, I, I guess my whole point is, you know, if you can fix the offensive line and feel good about the offensive line protecting your quarterback and enhancing a run game, do you really need Devontae Adams? Do you really need Chris Godwin or Allen Robinson? Could you do with a little bit less? And I just threw Nelson's name out there because I think he's had some success here. And I still think in the right system, he's got good football ahead of him. Or maybe it's one of the second-level uh, wide receiver free agents that are that are available. But I think also something mm-hmm. that Greg touched on when he was on the show earlier is that I don't think that the Patriots succeeded in the – Hey, we're going to get a bargain here, a bargain there, and when they had all that money in free agency last year, not like you're right. Although they did with the wide receiver, they could have. Who else was available last year in free agency as at wide receiver? I have to look back at. Uh, I do not remember, but if you, I don't think bringing like, in like Nelson for the Aguilar, price point thirty seven catches is not a good deal. Or you could say, I think your point is like, hey, if if everybody, if we're winning, who cares about like the money that's being offered? No, the players care yeah, about exactly. the money. Like you'd be like, "Hey, man, you make twenty million dollars, but you only play three snaps a game." Yeah, It'd but be that's, something wrong with that. But hey, right, but we made right. playoffs, and I, I wouldn't expect that to happen. I'm just, that's a very, it's very yeah. extreme example. Right, right. right. Uh, I, you know, um, 
last year the, the the Patriots probably had the most money to spend, and I think they spent the most money, but they still did it in a way where I I have to look to see who the twenty twenty one. It was very spread out. Yeah, it was exactly, exactly, and I and that's why I wonder, and that's why it's so fascinating. And finally, to really get a chance to uh, pin some of these guys down next week in Indianapolis, Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler, um, just kind of what. What the vision sort of looks like. I'm, I don't expect them to spill all the beans, obviously. But uh, I think there's going to be some answers to maybe what the plan is with Alex Leatherwood, John Simpson, what the defense might look like. Is Patrick, you know, um, uh, uh, Patrick Graham, what's the system going to look like? What's the scheme going to look like? So uh, we're moving along, and I can't wait to get out to Indianapolis. Uh, to share all of that with you guys uh, next week. But that is a story for a different day. We'll be back at it tomorrow, uh, of course, here in the huddle, 4 to 6 p.m. Uh, with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila and Bahadur. Thanks to Bill Williamson uh, from SB Nation, always shedding great light. Thanks to Greg Bedard, uh, obviously, from Boston Sports Journal. Thank you to Devon Cotton. Appreciate all the listeners, all the callers. We'll be back at it tomorrow in the huddle on Thursday, brought to you by Tequila and Bahadur, Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m.